welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. I'm joined today by Kate Gray. Hello. How you doing, Kate? I'm pretty good. It's sunny. I'm hot. It's great. It is sunny today. I went in the garden so, so, so briefly to film a <laughs> tiny segment of a video and then just didn't want to go back inside. But I had to because editing <laughs> must be inside. Yeah, that's a shame. I, I miss that about writing. You can write anywhere on any laptop. You can, unless you're reviewing a game and you have to be next to the game, which is what I've been doing today. Oh, it's <laughs> fine. You just don't remember any of the names of anything. The man with the gun shoots <laughs> the other man and the gun, and then you just Google what the things are actually called later. That is tempting. Although with sometimes, with some games, I just find like I have no interest in, in, uh, in using the correct terms for things they are stupid that's how i feel about a lot of games i've been playing recently they're like oh we could call this points but we're not going to we're going to call it this stupid thing prestige or or value or yeah no it's just no (laughs) i I remember taking a pretty hard line on that when i was at oxm way back when and reviewing lots of third person shooters like army Mm -hmm. of two and stuff i'm like no it's bullet time i'm not gonna (laughs) call it whatever you call it yeah because that's in your marketing materials. Mm-hmm. With the exception of 50 Cent Blood in the Sands, which decided to call Bullet Time Gangster Time. Oh, wow. Which okay. I thought was just uh, so wonderfully like, we don't know. Yeah. Just call it anything. It's quite on brand, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, they, I think he was a, 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 one of the original Gs. Anyway, <laughs> um, what have you been playing this week? Uh, I have been playing mostly uh, Sherlock Holmes, the new Sherlock Holmes which is coming out tomorrow, well, I think. <laughs> these fascinate me, right? Because I looked at these Sherlock Holmes games. Yeah. Um, these are the ones that are on console and PC, I guess, that actually have like kind of proper graphics. Well, right? let's not be too vague. <laughs> yeah, but this is why I haven't understood, because I always looked at them and thought they just looked like kind of junk. But then I noticed over the past few years that despite the fact that they're kind of like slightly shonky, um, <laughs> junk, by yeah. the looks of it, lots yeah. of people really love them. Yes. Well, I, I played the last one, Crimes and Punishments, and I really liked it. Uh, I think I was working at OXM at the time, and Matthew Castle, editor of OXM at the moment, is mad for them. He loves Sherlock Holmes, and, you know, the reason I got to play this one is that he really wanted to, but couldn't, so he let me play it um, for review. Living vicariously, nice. so he's like yeah. Watson. Yes. Sort of. He doesn't wear hats. Uh <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Other ways, he is exactly like Watson. Yes, and I'm Sherlock. Obviously, uh, he'll be pleased to know that. <laughs> I enjoy the fact that I, Matthew Castle. The fact that he doesn't wear hats is, is notable enough that it has to be. It has to be. No, he doesn't wear hats. Well, yeah, I, I don't think I've. That's like the second line on his character have, bio. Must have seen him in a hat sometime, right? I don't know. I, I can't know. think of a particular example, but yeah, that's that's it. But I've seen with a new one because obviously Sherlock, uh, the world's gone Sherlock crazy at the moment because yeah. of the fact that it's all now just got out of license, which mm-hmm. basically means that anyone can do anything with it because it's old, yeah. uh, which is cool <laughs> in a way. It, it's it's exciting. I actually, there's a board game uh, I picked up the other day, which is called Beyond Baker Street, uh, which we got at the UK Games Expo when we were out there with Shut Up and Sit Down. And that's, again, another Sherlock-themed thing. And it's just fun how everyone's like, hey, this is this really cool IP <laughs> that lots of people love. And now anyone can just be like, maybe I should make a Sherlock Holmes yeah. something. It's weird that they don't do that more with sort of properties in the public domain. Like, you don't get a lot of Bible games. Maybe there should be more Bible games. <laughs> I think Bible games often end up a little uh, either uh, maybe niche or yeah. problematic. 
That is true, but but wouldn't it be fun if it was like just to stab lots of people game? Yeah, they there, did that. There is a lot of that in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. People remember all like the fish and wine stuff, but a lot of it is just like, Brutal. and that's why you get stabbed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, could, you could have like David and Goliath as a quick time event. That'd, that'd be great, oh, man, wouldn't it? A big guy versus a little guy with a rock. You have to like climb up him and press X at the right time to not fall off. Did he climb up him? I thought he threw a stone. For I mean, a sling. I'm I'm kind of just turning this into Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, I was going to say you're, get, you're literally getting the Bible mixed up with Shadow of the Colossus. Well, the Bible's quite boring. And a really sad bit where Jesus lost his horse and you thought his horse was dead, <laughs> but then it turned out it wasn't. It was fine. Aww. I love the Bible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the new Sherlock Holmes. All, yes. all I really know about it is that uh, the main guy in it. Sherlock yeah. you might have heard of him uh, the main guy they've made him look like a kind of poor man's uh, is it jo- John Ham? John Ham, yeah every review that I read uh, looking for what other people had said and you know stealing their jokes every other review I'd read said John Ham. And I was like, well, I feel like I have to mention this, but I don't agree. I don't think he does look like John Hamm. I've only seen a couple of screenshots. And oh, okay. I, I thought I thought it looked a bit like John Hamm yeah. in those screenshots. Yeah. Um, but mind you, it's not even like a good John Hamm. It's not like kind of <laughs> sexy madman John Hamm. It's yeah. more like kind of drunken, sweaty John Hamm. Like the kind of like, I'll let you be my secretary sort of era. It's like, <laughs> this is a bad look for anyone. Yeah. Especially John Hamm. So who do you think he looks like? I don't know, really. Sherlock uh, Holmes, I suppose. He doesn't look like the Sherlock I, I like. He's a bit too sort of, oh, I don't know. He looks like he's about to collapse from a drug overdose, <laughs> but not in a sexy way. No, it is. In a sort of like, oh, I feel a bit peaky. That's it. It is that kind of bad, sweaty look, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? It's like, you're all right. Yeah. Are you sure you don't want a cup of tea instead of doing this crime? And one of the things you could do is dress up. And a lot of the uh, the level levels, cases, whatever, sort of require you to dress up. But it's not really explained why. You'll just have Watson going, Sherlock, you can't leave the house like that. So I'll go on like into the wardrobe and I'll, I'll put on a top hat and some glasses and I'll dress like a sailor. And he'll be like, yes, perfect. Let's go to the bowls club. And I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it is? It's kind of one of those things where it just says that's wonderful, no matter what you choose. I don't know. I mean, it's it's sort of engaged with the fact that I was wearing something ridiculous because Watson sort of went Sherlock. They won't like you in that, and Sherlock went, "It's what all the children are wearing," and I just went out in it. And I think they would do that if it was anything but exactly the right outfit. But it didn't seem to matter. So mm. yeah, I like the idea of you just. Like I say, I like the idea. It would be a fucking nightmare, and it reminds me actually of what games used to be like. Point and click adventures in the early nineties and yeah. stuff. Example of being like, no, you're not allowed to start playing the game <laughs> until you choose exactly the right outfit that Watson likes. It's like, yeah. I, it almost matches, but I'm not sure about those shoes. Try again. <laughs> just being like, yeah. fuck off. And the other thing about Sherlock's outfits is that they're all basically just the same. Like. In Victorian times or whenever it's set, uh, he's like, oh, I'm going to dress like a doctor, which is a coat. I'm going to dress <laughs> like this person is a waistcoat. And it, none of it's that exciting. Perhaps tweed. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the, is there a case that is a, a known case or is it a new one? Uh, I think I think they're all made up. Because I was talking to Pip about, uh, I say I was talking to Pip about the Poirot games. Pip was talking to me yeah. <laughs> about the Poirot games. She's a big lover of this sort of stuff. And um, she was talking about how it was kind of almost a shame because it was using like a real, like one of the best Poirot stories. And it meant yeah. that it was like 
It was kind of cool, but she also knew what was going to happen because uh, yeah. she'd seen it. I mean, it, I I don't think it's no case that I've heard of the the ones that there are like five or six in each game, um, and they're all a bit silly, if I'm honest. Right. Uh, one of them is about a sort of Aztec curse, and you're going through it like knowing that Sherlock, a bit like Professor Layton. He was also great. Is sitting there going, yeah. this is bullshit. He goes like, oh, the curse isn't real. And then you get to the point where he's got this sort of brain space where you connect like little neurons um, and each one has two options. <laughs> so you've come to a conclusion, but there are two options for what that conclusion is. And one of them is like, the curse isn't real. And the other one is, the curse is real. And Whoa. it kept being like, no, the curse is real. The curse is real. And I was like, but Sherlock is Sherlock. But then he has magic powers as well, so maybe that's okay. What? <laughs> he's got he's got Sherlock this, has um, magical powers now. Kind of. He's got Sherlock Vision, which is Witcher Vision. He's got Sherlock that. Vision was one of my favourite television <laughs> programs as a child. <laughs> so like you, you press a button and everything goes grey apart from important objects. Which I mean, is I, I have that. And and then you can go over and sort of words will appear on the screen and it'll be like a letter. A letter that was written by someone. A letter written by someone. It's a clue. And it takes him ages to get to that point, which is weird for someone who's so smart. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because it's almost like uh, I've always wondered this without playing the game. So obviously she's mm-hmm. unhelpful as a critic. But I've always wondered how it, it does that thing of like, you know, obviously you'd be you'd be kind of drowning money kittens in a bag if you weren't going to take some of the inspiration from the TV show yes. and have it kind of like flashing up these words and trying to get this idea of that kind of mind map that he's journeying mm-hmm. through. But the way it does it in the TV show is it goes, vroom, vroom, has some like fast-paced editing, some fast yeah. noises, and it shows all this stuff flying by before just going, boom, as if this is an important thing, this is an important thing. Yes. Gives you the sense that he's like rattling through stuff like a mad bingo caller. Yeah. And yet, like... <laughs> In video games, it's quite hard to do that without it being... And it sounds like he just tries to do that, but it does it yeah. so slowly that it's like, a book? A book about dinosaurs? <laughs> I like dinosaurs. Uh, it just makes him seem a bit slow. It does do that. I mean, it, the thing it borrows most from the TV show is that you can look at people. So you'll start a conversation with someone at any point in the conversation. You'll go into, like, narrow-eyed Sherlock vision, and he'll sort of... You can scan their body... So you sort of press RB to fast forward yeah. um, down the scan and it's very pervy because you sort of start off looking at their face because you're talking to them and you sort of um, <laughs> you scan down their chest. You I always... wonder how many clues she's got in her tits. <laughs> <laughs> you always some... um, you stop at the hands every time okay. because he always has to make a conclusion about whether or not they're married. Yeah. Every single person you meet, whether or not it's relevant to the case, he'll look at their hand, he'll go ring, ring on finger. Ring on wedding ring finger. Married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, Sherlock. I figured that well, out. Well, so much of the Sherlock like deduction stuff on that basis was about that. And it was yeah. all very of the era. And it would be like, you'd listen to him talking about it. Like, well, he's married. And yet his shirt hadn't been like ironed. Yes. So his wife has clearly left him. Lots of that. <laughs> and it's like, a lot okay, of that. <laughs> yeah, that made sense in it's Victorian quite, era. quite a leap. But um, it sort of assumes that you're a lot stupider than Sherlock, which is fair. But he doesn't seem that smart. So when you're doing this scan, it has everything that you can find out about the person written down on the right-hand side, but like 50% blurred. So you can actually kind of see what it says. Wow. <laughs> and if it gives you two options for one thing, like if someone has red eyes, you can be like, oh, they're sleepy or oh, they're deathly ill. And you can see that it says deathly ill, kind of just a bit blurry. And you're like, well, it's 
probably that one then. <laughs> but is it, is, I mean, it sounds like it's kind of like, as I've always suspected, kind of shonky, but is, this, is it still fun? Uh, the, the last one I really okay. enjoyed Crimes and Punishments was great. It, it relied heavily on, you know, investigation and the smarts of Sherlock, which is mm-hmm. what he's got going for him. This one wants to be Assassin's Creed. There's a lot of action sections, which ah. are entirely unnecessary. It seems very strange to me. Yes. Because it feels like they kind of... We, we talked about... I talked about this with Pip and how it felt like what was awesome about these games and the Poirot thing is there was this niche. There was this new niche appearing in games of people who actually just quite like daytime TV. Yeah. And are happy <laughs> to just have a gentle whodunit. Yeah. Um, and then to then try and like aim for the Assassin's Creed crowd as well. It just goes, mm-hmm. you just want to sort of tap them on the shoulder and go, I know you want money, but <laughs> what are you doing? Like, do I you- know. And, and the problem is that maybe the action would be fun. But for someone who's played things like Assassin's Creed and Uncharted and Tomb Raider, those guys are all really good at jumping. If you see a cliff and it's like five metres away, you go, yeah, I can make that. Sherlock can't jump one metre. So he's sort of looking at a balcony and he's going, I need to get across to the balcony. And you're going, yes, Sherlock, you could jump that quite easily. Like you'd have to do that sort of, you know, Nathan Drake, like, oh, nearly didn't make it, but you could still make it. But he has to wait for someone to like go and get a box and put it in the right place. And oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's the way yeah. you can frog her out over some buildings. Yeah. Gosh, that's a shame. It's also funny how with these games, it's always like makes you Sherlock. It's a very video mm. gamey thing, uh, and it's interesting how that approach hasn't really been seen in other things. Like yeah. a lot of the board games we play, which are to do with Sherlock, very few of them ever like make you Sherlock. Yeah, uh, consulting detective Sherlock Holmes, consulting detective, which is just there and pointing it to it, which is not helpful if you listen <laughs> to the podcast. Um, is a fantastic kind of a game where the idea is we've talked about this in the past. I'm sure we've talked about this a lot on Sherlock's It Down because it's amazing, but. It's a, a Sherlock Holmes game where you have these cases and you choose where you want to go in London. You have a map of London and you can pretty much look up anyone. So if someone's name gets mentioned, you can look them up in the phone book and then go to a there's a book and it'll basically tell you whether or not there's a clue. And it's very clever, but it's also very simple. You just have this massive <laughs> book of things you can look up. And the idea right. is that you try and go and talk to everyone, look at the crime scene, find clues, follow any leads you think you have. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of opportunities to be quite clever in terms of being like, huh, maybe we should go round the corner to this road and see... Da, da, da. But then at the end of it, Sherlock tells you what actually... You guess what happened and why. Yeah. And you have to answer a series of questions. And then you get marked depending on how many you got right. And then Sherlock, it tells you... Obviously, Sherlock always gets it completely right. Yeah. And he gets it right really quickly. Yeah. And then your score is dependent on how much worse you were than Sherlock. Oh, okay. And it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, Sherlock still remains this infallible kind of god character. Yeah. And even in Beyond Baker Street, which is a completely different type of game, like, you're not Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Actually, the game ends when Sherlock has just become so disappointed with you. Oh. That- <laughs> And it basically means that whenever you do anything, it's like whenever you give each other a clue, like Sherlock moves up this track and when he gets to the end of the track, you've lost. And it's the idea of him just like tutting at you <laughs> to go, really? Are you still discussing this? Oh. Have you not worked it out? But that's perfect. Because Sherlock as a character is an arsehole. Yeah. Like, and in a way that's hard to convey in video games because he's an arsehole that knows everything. Well, that's what the, the books are about. They're about... You're following Watson. You're not following Sherlock because Sherlock is so far ahead of you that you don't actually... Like, he goes into the crime scene, spends five seconds looking around going, well, I know who did it. And so the rest of the book is just Watson going, who is it then? (laughs) Come on. Is it that guy? Oh, I figured it out. And then Sherlock goes, no, that's a dog, you idiot, Watson. (laughs) And it's more fun to follow Watson because you don't want to know what Sherlock knows. That's that's the twist of the book. It's weird how Watson always thinks he's a dog. (laughs) 
It's that. It's a dog in a cape, Watson. <laughs> it doesn't even look remotely like a man. I mean, that would that would be a fun episode of the TV show. <laughs> oh, I'd love it. I'd love it. Um, actually, yeah, there's been so much Sherlock stuff. I really enjoyed. I watched it on a plane. It's not video games thing, but I really enjoyed Mr. Holmes. I saw that on a plane. It's a Sherlock okay. film um, with Ian McKellen. Oh, that one. Yes. And it's very old. I watched it on a plane though, and I can never really trust my film recommendations on planes mm-hmm. because they do something weird to my brain and make yes. me cry and feel sad about everything. But I just like <laughs> the fact that it actually just painted Sherlock as a quite weirdly unlikable character yeah. who'd grown an old to be an old man without any friends Good. and it was very sad that's what but, he's like yeah but it was also like yeah that's yeah. yeah Sherlock in the games is too nice if you ask me really he's uh, he's got a daughter in this one the, the game's called The Devil's Daughter I haven't figured out Sherlock's the devil yet but I presume maybe um, he's got magical powers but like the voice acting on the daughter is so bad she's like one of those overly perky sort of slightly cockney London 13 year olds and so she's like oh daddy can I go and learn the piano and you're like throw her out the window but Sherlock (laughs) loves her and he's meant to be like a really pissy man so can I learn the piano (laughs) you can learn the piano from underneath the piano after I've dropped it out of a window I, yeah, that sounded a lot like Tracer from Overwatch, who still does yeah. my nutting. Everyone's like, oh, I love Tracer. But then you just go, oh, it's, it's kind of fun. But also it's like, where, where, what is this voice? I mean, I think it's her butt that, that does it for people. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's, it's apparently the butt that either, either makes people happy or angry or I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, her voice, very cockney. Jelly mm. eels. She should have a gun that fires jelly eels. <laughs> That'd be fun. Anyway, I have been playing a bit more Overwatch, actually. I won't talk yeah. about it much, but I talked about it uh, a few weeks ago, and I found that, yeah, the, the problem with Overwatch is if you don't play it with people, like who you know, yeah. it's rubbish. So yeah. that's just, that's the, the control. I've had a few people going, maybe I'll pick it up and just play with randoms. Don't. Absolutely don't. It's just not fun on your no. own. Because you're just constantly being like, either, well, maybe it's fun if you're really good at shooty games and you're really good at getting headshots because you can be the guy who's like, yeah, amazing, and people might support you and look after you and help you. But if, like me, you're like, I'm not quite good enough at that, but I can be the helpful person, you just spend your whole time running around after toddlers being like, no, stand behind my shield. No, (laughs) let me heal you, please, God. But then all you need to do is play it with just one friend and you can buddy up. And then instantly it's like, oh, this is a fun game. I get this Yeah, I mean, I get the feeling that it's like that with every sort of cooperative team-based shooter. <laughs> exactly. And I always find that's not it's not fair because um, as soon as you get into that mindset of being like, yeah, but it's fun with friends, it's mm. like, yeah, but everything is fun with friends. It's yeah. kind of a, a difficult catch-all in the fact that if you go, this game is not fun if you play it with random people, mm-hmm. um, you kind of go, well, of course it isn't because of the nature of the game. But then as soon as you're into the territory of being like, well, yeah, but you play it with friends, it's fun. You're kind of like, yeah, but how much can I trust that? Like, how much is that the game and how much is that my friends? And yeah. Yeah, so it's a tricky one. But it's clearly not as boring as I thought it was, so it's fine. I've heard a lot of memes. So. <laughs> I've heard so many memes. So many memes. Again, it's, it's a double it's a double thing of being like, I kind of can't quite trust it because it's like it's fun with friends mm. is a kind of unuseful piece of critical feedback. And yeah. also, it's a Blizzard game tends to just completely muddy the waters yeah. um, because they're very slick, but they're also just so... Uh, saturated with people automatically just because Blizzard are Blizzard and they're very good at as a machine of getting their things out there yeah. you sort of just go yeah like millions of people playing it and it's family friends but I still like I'm like I don't know how good it is and we never will and it will never matter because it's already a huge success and will be for years yeah that's probably yeah that's it it's enough for them yeah 
Rolling back briefly to when we were talking earlier about uh, the Bible game. The Bible game, yeah. Um, I've been reading the Bible. No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, I've been playing a game called Crest, uh, yeah. which I played... Uh, not, I haven't played very much of it, to be honest, but uh, I played it when it was like super early access mm-hmm. about six months ago and I spoke to the devs and I was like, yeah, it kind of doesn't feel ready. Uh, and I said like, you know, poke me again in a year and it's probably been about a year and I'm playing it again and again, I'm kind of like not that taken with it if I'm completely honest, but it's interesting mm-hmm. and it's worth talking about and worth mentioning in case other people go, huh, that sounds interesting, I'm going to have a look. But Crest basically... And I have to caveat, it's kind of going to be t- difficult to talk about this without like not taking the mick out of religion, but without talking about religion from a perspective of religion being a largely social construct, construct used to control people. Okay. <laughs> so I hope that people aren't offended by that, but that's kind of like, that's where I largely come from and that's where I kind of need to come from in order to discuss this game and why it's mechanically interesting. Anyway, um, Crest basically is the idea that you are a god and then you... Um, you have to give commandments to the people mm-hmm. and the people are very kind of simple kind of, it's kind of like almost like imagine like Pangea style. Like it's very simple visually, but it's all like all of the characters are black and it's just like kind of early civilizations and um, it's very stylistic and it's quite fun. Often stylistic to the point where it's a bit confusing in terms of all the buttons are very kind of like weird icons. And I'm like, oh, yeah. how do I play this game? <laughs> um, and then the game is basically you click on one icon, then you click on another icon, then you click on a third one, and it'll be like food. And you uh. go, like, food. And it's like weird. It's like a cross between writing the Ten Commandments and being a programmer. Mm-hmm. But you get a little bit less control than a programmer might to begin with. You go, like, if food, then um, then do this. So you'd be like, <laughs> if we've got loads of food, then, make, then produce babies. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> if you're hungry, then... Like, produce food. Or, like, if you're happy, then, like, do this. Or if you're unhappy, eat some food. Or, like, if you've got loads, if you've got too much food, then, like, go and live somewhere else. Like, almost, like, I don't know. Like, But then the idea is that these people just go about their, like, little lives. And it's very basic, and it's still quite an early game. But then they... The interesting element is that you you give them these, these commandments, being like, you must go and find food in the forest. Mm-hmm. And then they start doing it, but then all these mad bubbles peer above their heads, and it's it's honestly like it because of the iconography used in the game, it is fairly incomprehensible in terms of working out what's going on all of the time. Yeah. Um. But I like the idea that what then happens is you give them this commandment, and then they go, okay, right. And then after about a few minutes, like in game time, they go, well, maybe he meant this. <laughs> and then you see them being like, well, maybe they meant that, maybe they meant that. And then they change them. And then like the, the, all of the commandments you give kind of time out after a while, after some amount of time, like they, they're forgotten and then you can give new ones. But it's the idea where I was like, I started off being like, oh, you should, um, if you're hungry, then you sh- if you want food, then you should go to the woods. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up being like, if you want foods, if you've got too much food, then you should produce uh, iron and it's like okay it's not what I said but uh, okay <laughs> and then they just gradually like for whatever reason these people are obsessed with iron they're like yeah. if you're happy you should make iron <laughs> and I'm just like right sure um, and then at one point like the only really successful commandment I gave them was said like oh you know if you've got food then you should make babies and they all just stop doing everything <laughs> okay 
<laughs> it's like, whoa, okay. And I mean, I'm presuming they were making babies. It seemed to be this thing where all of the ladies would just dance around in this strange dance with hearts appearing above them. I'm like, okay, I'm guessing that's how you produce babies in this world. Yeah. Fine. Um, but I think it's like, we've talked about this in the past and this is why they got in touch uh, the devs was mm-hmm. that I talked about the idea of a gold game where actually fundamentally you don't have as much control and the mm. idea that you just like well how's this going to pan out <laughs> and then stuff just happens and you just roll with it and that kind of does this um, but it's strangely kind of unsatisfying as a game because weirdly although it doesn't really make any sense and is bullshit for you to be the sort of god like in black and white who's yeah. just mysteriously being like now I'm going to take loads of your grain and <laughs> Throw it <laughs> across throw the field. <laughs> Actually, I need that back. Oh, God, I can't. It's outside of my realm. It's going to rot. Um, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Sure. But it's something to do. Hmm. Uh, and with this, it's just like you give these actions and then you've got nothing to do. So you just give another action. You give another like... And then before you know it, you're just like making up loads of... You're not really understanding the impact of the the um, the kind of... Um, what's, the, what's the term for it? Like... The, the kind of uh, uh, the, the commandments you're giving. You're, you're not understanding yeah. yet exactly what the consequences of those things are going to be, but you've not really got anything to do. So your options are either speed the game up to just see what happens more quickly, and if it's really bad, then oh no, because people might just start dying and stuff, because yeah. you might have given them something and they go, oh, well, it must mean we don't. it doesn't want us to eat then, so we'll <laughs> stop eating. Like, And also, it's kind of a fun exercise in, 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 in chaos in the fact that I was like, okay, um, I'll, I'll choose the elderly person symbol and then the um, don't eat and then the uh, de- like death uh, symbol. <laughs> okay. And I was like, I thought that the idea of this would be me saying, listen, <laughs> if you're old, you're going to die. Just, <laughs> oh, no. just, just give it up, you know? Yeah. Just stop eating. And I thought, it's heavy, but I sort of thought, well, this is a weird sandbox. I've got to start poking at the edge of it and seeing what happened. Yeah. However, in the game's language, it's immediately translated to old people don't eat other people who are about to die. <laughs> and I'm like, also true though. Yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, but like actually by that merit, if they're going to then instead eat people who aren't about to die, that's an even worse idea. So it was kind of amusing that it was like, oh no, I'm creating this terrible civilization. And I like the idea also that it's this idea of you give them this this commandment and they don't quite get it. So they go, he must have meant that. Mm. Oh, he must have meant that. And um, but yeah, this, this, as, a, as a game, it's like as a, as a kind of ex- experimental thing. It's fascinating. Mm. Um, this idea of because uh, obviously, like as a, as I prefaced with, it's the weird thing if you have to kind of except the fact that uh, regardless of, of the origin of a lot of these old religious texts, like it's it's pretty much like impossible to to say otherwise that it's very much the case that these texts have over the years been modified, manipulated and presented in very specific ways, always with very clear aims of controlling people. Yeah. So it's always a case of, it's interesting in this when you are actually a god mm. and you're telling people things and then they're like going, oh, actually they must have meant that. It's weird that it's like done in a way which is um, unclear and communal. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the reality, of course, would be that there would be somebody in charge who was like, you're whispering in their ear. Yeah. And then they're like telling people what they want based on that. And it's always a bit like, no, hang on. <laughs> uh, so that would be an interesting thing. Uh, and I think maybe uh, I think as a as a game theme, that might be a little bit 
contentious for some people. Mm. To have a game where you're a god who literally can boom from the sky saying things, yeah. but then you're contending with not being like misunderstanding, but actually like specific people taking what you've said and bending your words. That would yeah. be a really interesting um, puzzle. But as it is, it just feels you just feel weirdly um, powerless as yeah. you just sort of go, stop <laughs> doing that. And then they go, he must mean go and... Uh, make more houses in the desert <laughs> and you're like no um, but if you are interested in the idea of something like a kind of god game where you are more hands off and you don't have this sort of divine intervention that allows you to just pick people up and drown them in the sea when you yeah. don't like them etc and actually just having to do this it's it's an interesting kind of little puzzle but yeah. uh, it's weird yeah I mean it, it sounds like a lot of things I've studied at uni uh, I did a bit of the Old Testament, and the most interesting thing that I, I came away with from that was the fact that the the actual Ten Commandments, right? The whole "Don't murder," "Don't covet things," "Stop it," um, "Put it down." <laughs> the reason any of those were written is like you don't tell someone off if they haven't already just done the thing. So, like saying "Don't murder," it's because they were murdering. Saying "Don't do this," "Don't do that," it's because they're already doing it. It's not that they were going. Let's continue not to do these bad things. They were already, you know, messing up in all the ways. Yeah. They were already, like, worshipping false idols. Um, so that's really interesting that it, it kind of plays on that. Yeah. Well, I think the problem with the game is it kind of doesn't. Like, it's like you start off with this blank slate and mm. it's just this, this fresh people. Yeah. And it's it's almost... Uh, it's weird in the fact that it almost approaches uh, theology with this sort of idealistic view of this yeah. pure people that are then um, okay. given instructions and then they will either thrive or collapse depending on, on you and how well you do of communicate, trying to communicate clearly to these people. Yeah. Which is a kind of fun game idea, I guess. It makes more sense in game design. But actually, like, obviously, the reality of all this stuff into was controlling people. Not at sometimes religion in history has been used to control people in clearly Machiavellian ways, which is just like, oh, now come on. Like, you are literally <laughs> just taking advantage of people. Like, you know, actually, you know, a lot of modern day Catholicism is, is like that. It's just all the, you know, all the Pope people being like, no, don't do all this stuff. It's like, you guys literally keep being caught doing like lots of illegal things in the Vatican and there's some really <laughs> shady stuff going on there. And they're just like, shut up. <laughs> Put some more money in the gold dish. Whereas a lot of the time, like admittedly, it probably would have been quite a good thing. Like yeah. early Christianity, clearly badass of being like, let's stop. Like, let's stop <laughs> murdering people. Yeah. Let's stop sleeping with each other's wives. Let's stop like worshipping weird cults yeah. and, and like all of the stuff that comes with that but you're right it wasn't a case of being like oh yeah great no, I hadn't thought about that uh, I've never murdered anyone but I won't do it from now on it was more <laughs> just being like for the love of God stop murdering people <laughs> like yeah. at some point it may well have been that somebody went how can we stop people murdering each other? And Write go, it in a, well, a stone yeah. thing. How about we pretend <laughs> that we found these stones? And honestly, uh, I would probably be down with that. If I was in that yeah. meeting and somebody went, this is a bit <laughs> weird, but how about we pretend this? And yeah. I'd just be like, let's just do it. Like, Why aren't we doing that now? <sighs> well, people are, but it's just a bit out of control and it's not yeah. really helpful most of the time. I've, I've just found a tablet on this mountain that says, can we stop bitching about game scores? It's weird, <laughs> isn't it? 
uh, says an eight is a good score. Just, just well, you know, but these things have not happened like have happened recently. Scientology yeah. is well new, and it lots is. of people are into it, and it mm. makes no sense. Even Mormonism is fantastic. I love the fact that the root of that entire thing was a guy finding some gold plates in the desert, translating them behind a curtain. His wife wasn't allowed to come and look at them, and then he went and buried them all before anyone ever saw them, Ooh. and then just said, "Well, it's all right because I translated the alien language on them." <laughs> well, not alien, ancient language. On my own. And now it says, weirdly, rule number one is I'm in charge. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> crazy. Anyway, um, that's Crest. It was a game which, yeah, I, I, I found myself toying with and not really finding a way to enjoy the the uh, tool sandbox there. Mm. But it did make me think about theology. And then I've just talked about religion for 10 yeah. minutes. So Well, we, we could talk about programming because I've been playing a game about programming. Sure, let's yeah. segue into that quickly. I mean, uh, you sort of talked about how commandments are kind of like programming. So they are. That's a classy segue. Um, <laughs> so I've been playing Human Resource Machine, which oh. just came out on iOS and maybe other mobile devices. I didn't check. Oh, excellent. I didn't know it was out <laughs> yeah. there. Um, it actually translates really well to mobile because it's a very simple interface. You're just clicking and dragging. You can do that with your fingers. Um, God, that game is hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of got a bit put off it because of what it was. Yeah. Which is weird because I have been more open to programming-y things yeah. lately. But um, yeah, because I know it's made by the guys who made like uh, World of Goo and... Little Inferno. Little Inferno. Very similar. But Little Inferno is just about burning things. It doesn't ask anything more of you. It goes, chuck the things in the fireplace and you go, okay. And for the love of God, don't think about it. <laughs> And that becomes like the game mechanic and the actual plot of the story is just like, yeah. burn everything. Uh, whereas this one is sort of set in the same kind of dystopia, slightly different in that there's not any fire that I know of, uh, slightly more civilization going on, but things are going wrong in the background, vaguely. Uh, and and you go through levels of HR, which doesn't sound fun, but it is. And every level, I'm not really sure how it counts as HR, but every level you have these boxes that come in, they've all got numbers or letters on them, and you have to do something to them and then put them in the outbox. So sometimes that is get rid of all the letters. Sometimes it's only put zeros in the outbox. Sometimes it's multiply every number by eight. And you have to figure out a way of doing that with a set number of commands that are very simple, uh, and you get some more in each level. And you know, you get through the first 10 levels and you're like, I think I understand programming. I'm ready to create things now. I'm basically Bill Gates. <laughs> Switch off your iPad. Time for me to make a million big dollars. <laughs> exactly. And then you get to, you know, level 11 and you're like, I don't know what this is anymore. And um, it got to the point where I will admit I was looking at walkthroughs and not understanding what they were saying and just copying their code and going, yeah. I don't want to do this level. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how prog programming works when you're learning, is often just yes. being like, I don't understand this code, but someone said I can copy it, yeah. so I will. And, and then you come back later, later and you understand it. But yeah. yeah. So there was one where I had to, for every two numbers in the inbox, I had to multiply one by the second. And Right. Yes, and all I had was things like bump up by one, bump down by one, add like the thing you're holding to the thing on the floor and subtract the thing from the thing. So it's and sort of it's sort of programming, but it's sort of mathsy as well, isn't it, it? I I seem to remember early on it was like, hey, don't worry, this isn't really maths. And I was reassured by that because, you know, I did do quite well at GCSE, but the things you do well at GCSE do not translate into being good at them. No. It just means you remembered them for all of three months and then just got rid of them again. 
so I don't I don't remember how to do any of the things. I mean, the simple things, sure, but this isn't simple. No, it's like like factorials and wow Fibonacci numbers. All I know about Fibonacci <laughs> is that it makes beautiful vegetables. It does, doesn't it? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with only engaging with Fibonacci on a on a broccoli level. Oh, That's really fine like the, with me. The Calabrese, Calabrese, yeah. the things that are like kind of green, uh, green versions of um, <laughs> cauliflower, but they yeah. have like weird spirally spikes. Yeah. That's great. They're amazing. But when you actually have to think about it, it's Maths, not Maths, so I can't great. eat, I'm out, <laughs> is basically my rule. Yeah. That's, that's weird, because I, I really like, um, I've forgotten, is it something boy? Oh, what's the name of the devs? This is embarrassing. I'm good at this, usually. I'm not good at this today. Anyway, um, I love their work, and I know that actually as a team, they kind of cycle around doing different things, because mm. I think actually like part of the... Um, Part of the team who worked on some of the earlier stuff, like World of Goo, were working yeah. on uh, Subterfuge, which we played. Oh, obviously, really? I think so. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. So it's kind of like it might not be as simple as that, but I think it's like a number of people. And obviously, the art guy from World of Goo and from uh, Little Inferno worked on this because the style is exactly the same. But I also yes. love the fact that the, I think it's is it Two D Boy? That might be it. I don't know. Anyway, I love that their games always have this sort of thematic. Um, it's both an aesthetic and a thematic kind of. Mm thing going through it yeah and it's quite subtle in terms of how it carries across it it reminds me of authors in a way and i think that's a lovely thing about small devs is the fact yeah. that like you know my favorite author is probably still margaret atwood and i love the fact that like all of her books like are the same thing yeah in terms of it being like <laughs> here's one character in the future and then one character in the past and then <laughs> these the past is going to keep going forwards until it meets up with the future Ooh. and you find out what's going on yeah and that is like her thing <laughs> and it's like if, if not for the fact that she did it amazingly every time you'd be like oh come on margaret <laughs> You've done you're doing one. that exact <laughs> structure again but she can do it and i love that yeah these games are always about the thematic side is that there's this weird dark dystopia mm. but you're never in it yeah you're always like it's always in the distance somehow yeah. so in like world of goo it's like you're seeing these billboards for these weird like beauty products made out of goo but yeah. you're not there you're just sort of like you don't know where you are but <laughs> it's always kind of detached and occasionally yeah. brushing past these little like dystopias but obviously that's what I loved about the end of Flynn Inferno which I won't spoil because it's, it's weird and fun <laughs> but when it actually takes you out and lets you kind of go into the dystopia yeah. a little bit you're like what the fuck is this? What's just going been on? burning stuff sorry yeah I mean yeah. it did almost have that that same thing of being like well you know when you've been looking at a computer for too long and then you mm. go out to the pub and everyone's having a conversation and you're just yeah. like, I'm not phased into this reality right now. And <laughs> usually you do come out of it, but sometimes yeah. it can take upwards of an hour while you're just staring into space and people are like, you're right. And you're like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> but in your head, you're just doing like After Effects or Photoshop mm, and, yeah. <laughs> and you can't like stop that. I mean, you've just compared uh, Little Inferno to video editing, which is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I think that's, that's alright I think that's yeah. fine no I mean, burning though well Little Inferno I felt was supposed to be an allegory for like screens yes um, yeah in terms you're, of, you're sitting in front of a fireplace and it's the same like yeah the fact the that time, and yeah. everyone you're, you're getting messages from people all the time but, and you're just burning them and the, the messages <laughs> yeah, yeah the messages that you are getting are from other people who yeah. are literally just sat in front of a fireplace and the idea that everyone has got this brand new little inferno and everyone's obsessed with it and everyone's just doing nothing else and then <laughs> and it, the transient nature of everything and the and 
just yeah I felt like the idea of just in the way they used to say like you know well what do people used to do for entertainment when mankind first started and it's like yeah. we used to stare at fires and it's like yeah. yeah I thought it was a fun allegory for that <laughs> but then the fact when you break away from that and the world I thought it was a really yeah Little and Funner was weird it's a real shame with Little and Funner that the actual way you progress through the game is not much fun <laughs> no I mean because yeah. it was so close to being a masterpiece I thought yeah I mean, the, the objects that you're burning occasionally have a fun reaction. Like, yeah. they'll explode and there'll be people and they'll all burn and scream. And that's that's fun. I would have loved it if it was shorter. <laughs> uh, the fact yeah? that then you had to go and, like, work out all the combinations based on the clues. Yes. It was like, ah. Oh, yeah. You'd try something and it wouldn't work and you'd be like, oh, I'm just going to look on GameFAQs. <laughs> oh, GameFAQs does still exist. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the new one, Human Resource Machine, which I do think needs a snappier title... Because it's, it's not a very pretty name. Um, it's sort of, again, it's a little bit too long and a little bit hard. It's really good at the idea it does and it's very smart. But uh, no offence to everyone listening, but we're not smart. <laughs> we're not that kind of smart. Um, some hard. people are, but it's, it's meant to be a, a sort of, like Little Inferno, anyone can play it. There's no barrier to entry there. Um, but with... With Human Resource Machine, if you don't get maths, you're not going to have fun with the game in the end. Yeah. And that's a shame because, you know, I'm at, like, level 19, some of which I've cheated on. And some of them, when you grasp the the idea and what you're supposed to do, you feel great. But then when you don't, it, it's like being bad at maths. And that's that's, like, the opposite of fun. It is interesting. I think, you know... As I said, what I like about those games is the fact that you go into them knowing, like, thematically yeah. what you're going to get, and often also the sense that it might all be part of the same world, yeah, which is fun. Uh, but I think also, like, that comes with, and I mean, it's fair enough if people shrug that off mm. from an art perspective and just go, you know what, fuck off. Yeah. But I do feel it comes with a weird responsibility that, like, when you have people like me who, who look at these and love these things, then to make sure that what you're presenting to the audience that you're building is always... You can have it being diverse and interesting, mm-hmm. but uh, I think level of accessibility is a big thing. And I think that's why I got put off just when I started reading about what it was. Yeah. Because it was like, ah... Like, World of Goo was not that taxing. Mm-hmm. It was kind of fun. And, like, then it went to being, like, less taxing in yeah. a way. Well, I guess it didn't, actually. I guess the puzzles were tricky, but they were not fun, so lots of people just skipped them. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I hope it's, like, kind of uh, food for thought for the people making the games. It's a tricky thing, I guess, of maybe uh, the more games they make, they're more and more interested in making, yeah. like, more complex games. Yeah. Um, which is fine, but, uh, yeah, it's a shame, because <laughs> they, made, they, they were really, really good at making very simple, very clever games. Yeah. And now it's, like, it's kind of a bit too... Like the simple's gone. Yes. It's just like, it's just clever now. Yeah. And I mean, that might be what satisfies them as creators. And if yeah. so, go for it. And there's definitely a niche and people, certain people will play it and understand it and love it. It's like, you know, getting a broken dog. Some people won't <laughs> understand it, but some people will just, it'll just click. Just, just like a dog. <laughs> Just, is it like a dog? I was watching a documentary about dogs last night. <laughs> so my brain just went there. Um, it was very sweet. It was about rescue dogs that were trained specifically for one person. So that's kind Aww. of what I was going for. Right. You know, that one person understands them. But That makes way more sense. I'm glad I, I'm yeah, glad I questioned that. Because otherwise, if I'd just gone, okay, I would have actually in my head been going, what? It's like a dog. Um, 
It's called Rescue Dog to Super Dog, I think. It's very sweet and very nice. And it's got a happy ending, which is good for dog documentaries. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that is. That is good. Probably good and rare. Yes. Poor dogs. They get a rough deal. Animals of the world. (laughs) Um, Another thing I've played really briefly this week, Mm -hmm. uh, won't talk about much, because I pretty much have, again, only similar things to say that when I talked about it, I think with Pip and Quinns a while ago, Subnautica seems really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, yeah, the, the intro section. And I appreciate the Quins didn't go any further than that. But yeah, it's nice because it is like, it's it's a, like a fairly fixed world. It's mm-hmm. not 100% fixed, I don't think. I think because I reloaded the game because because it is early access. There was a, a cupboard in my ship who was supposed to be there and just wasn't. It was just a <laughs> hole that let me see the sea. And I'm like, that doesn't look right. <laughs> so I started again. But um, yeah, it's nice to be playing something where it's a bit kind of, Explorey, but you can actually choose what level you want to play it at. Mm-hmm. So there is like super survival permadeath mode, yeah. but then there's also like survival mode. Don't forget to eat and drink like humans do. And then one where it's like, oh, you can like obviously oxygen's still a thing mm-hmm. and health is still a thing, but that's it. Yeah. And one which is like, you can do what you like. Yeah. Like nothing's going to bother you. And I think that would kind of not work because it is clearly. Uh, set to be a, a a piece of work that you explore gradually. So I think yeah. having the kind of oxygen health is still vital. Yes. Um, but it is very cool. And uh, as you, you saw me when I first came in, I and there was a fish that I didn't want to go near because I'd been near it once <laughs> and it, it wasn't nice. Yeah, it had a pointy sword face. That's it had never a pointy good. thing, and it was just picking up bits of scrap metal and moving around yeah. away from me. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just more excited to investigate more because I think by having this sort of semi-controlled world it allows them to actually create some sort of sense of ecosystems that you're not a part of yeah um because we talked to yeah we didn't talk to him but uh I have talked to him but anyway <laughs> it it was really fascinating when some people started asking because Subnautica has been quite popular I think semi-popular on Steam in terms of people being like that's a cool fun underwater uh, buildy explorer thing yeah and uh, the guy basically, some people have been asking when they were going to get weapons. Oh, okay. And uh, he was like, nah. Yeah. And he kind of wrote this nice thing of being like, there will be some weapons that will help you scare stuff off and maybe like, you know, deal with smaller things. Yeah. But like in terms of the bigger things in the game, like no. And he was like, just sort of felt that as an American dev, he just wanted to make a a game world where humans weren't the apex predator. Where That's it was like, Where it's just like, yeah, you know what? Like you can't kill that big thing. Yeah. You're just going to have to like, Except that it's <laughs> bigger than you, and I, yeah, <laughs> which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was I was a bit scared about playing it because of the Echo the Dolphin thing. I'm terrified of Echo the Dolphin. Okay, I'm <laughs> uh, scared of underwater stuff. Yeah, it is quite scary. There's that really meant to be relaxing VR game, right? That's meant to soothe people out of anxiety attacks. Deep, but it's I it's set underwater, and I never want to play it. Why are you scared of being underwater? It's so dark and there's creepy jellyfish. But was there anything in particular that, that... I haven't had like a an incident that, that set it off or anything, no. Because I didn't it was Echo the Dolphin. I don't know yeah. why. But no being deep underwater is just frightening to it's me. It's horrible. Why would you want to? And I actually almost froze up this is so dumb, but when I loaded up <laughs> Subnautica and I just saw the front the, the game's menu, it just has a picture of it, it just has a like a moving mm. shot of just the sea oh. from the top. And yeah. it says, like, the surface of the sea, and you can't see beneath it. And it's beautiful. But as soon as I saw that, like, there was a part of me that was, mm. like, quite scared. It's something really scary about endless sea. Yeah, there's too much of it. And the depth of it. It's the, yeah. just the feeling of immediately being lost and not getting yeah. back. I, it's it's unfathomable. 
probably literally in the sense of the word. <laughs> but weirdly, as soon as I'm under the water and I'm like picking up mu- mushrooms and whatever. <laughs> mushrooms. Sea mushrooms. Sea mushrooms. Electric sea mushrooms, etc. <laughs> um, it was fine. And I wasn't scared, which was cool. nice. Because I, I, yeah. I felt embarrassed, but I'd been putting off Subnautica for mm. quite a while because I genuinely thought I was going to be scared. Yeah. Which is... Uh, I feel that way about most games. So <laughs> I played Oxenfree and I had to keep putting it down and being like, I'm sure it's going to be fine. But that game is quite scary. Oxenfree was quite scary. It's quite yeah. scary. Um, to the point where uh, I think in the past week or so, they're like, oh, we're selling Oxenfree merch. Yeah. And the Oxenfree merch is all like images, mostly uh, images of the kind of triangle. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to look at that. Yeah. <laughs> like... That thing scares me. It does weird things and um, I don't trust it. And even when I got to the end of the game and worked out what it was all about, yeah. about, I was still like, it, obviously, as with all horror, when you get to the resolution, it's less frightening. But mm. um, it, was, it wasn't it was nice. It was no. still horrible. But no. the weird unknown triangle thing just scared the fuck out of me. And I was like, yeah. I don't want to be reminded of that. I don't want that on a mug. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be drinking a tea and then just go, oh, God. It's ah. a very stylish triangle. Yeah. I mean, that game does look very nice. Uh, it's got a lovely aesthetic with the with the sort of handwritten font kind of stuff going on. A little bit life is strangey, but then the spooky stuff, spooky stuff, is less fun. It is spooky. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I quite enjoyed Oxenfree. Oh yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I didn't like it that much. Yeah. But I liked it. What have you been playing anyway? What else have you been playing? Uh, playing another mobile game. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's called Warbits. It's a, it's a sort of strategy game. It's very bright, sort of all primary colours. Um, it's, it's, it's basically sort of like a mini Command and Conquer. Uh, so you've got maybe about 10 different types of sort of things. You've got your infantry, your mechs and your air. And that's basically it. That's and, three flavours of war. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everything's strong against something, weak against something. Uh, the more you pay for a certain unit, the, the better they are against everything. Uh, and it's it's really good, but it can be frustrating because you can tell when you're going to lose a, a level fairly early on. And at that point, you have no choice but to start again. And it's all set in stone because the, the simulations are quite small, the, the little strategy simulations. Um, so there's only a set number of things that can happen. So is it like a, uh, a top-down thing or a 3D thing? It's it's sort of, I think, isometric. I'm never entirely sure if, I, if I've if i got that right. Isometric but, is yeah, the one where it's yeah. like, you kind of like, you can, it's, it's sort of almost it's 3D at a 45 degree angle yeah. or more. And then when people go behind walls, they have to go transparent because there's a wall. <laughs> it's that's basically the, that's the key that, to yeah. isometric. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a really nice looking game. I think the sound design is excellent because every unit has a different shooting noise. So some of them are quite heavy and they're just one big cannon shot. And some of them are like, pew, 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 like that, um, which is nice. It's really satisfying to get that kind of like audio feedback from what you're doing. Um, and it has interesting twists that keep it varied. Uh, so you can get perks based on how many people you've killed to that point. Just like real life. Yeah. <laughs> Get like one of those better Costco cards. <laughs> you can get the really big box yeah. of cookies. Oh yeah. Um, so it's got it's got things like that. Uh, so there is like an interesting strategy element to it. It's not just kill the people until they's dead. What's um, the art style like? Is it kind of? I'm, I'm imagining something quite colourful and chunky. It's it's chunky, cartoony kind of stuff. It's very cute. Um, it's set in space, so everyone only has one eye, one big white sort of dot in the middle. Of course, of their like face. in real space. Yeah. Um, 
And I think the dialogue is potentially grating, but I, I quite liked it. It's all sort of... Um, it's based on the fact that you're simulating war, which is quite a cute way of stepping back from from the violence. It's going, oh, no, this is a simulation. We've put it into a computer. And you actually start the game by dragging a, a little sort of cartridge into a computer, which I quite like. Um, so you've got people arguing over really inane, quite mundane things, but in a sort of funny way, like whether beans count as a breakfast item. And then they fight over it because yes, they do. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah, I, I really recommend I mean, it. Beans are absolutely of course they are, a breakfast right? item. I don't, I don't remember if that's exactly what they talk about, but I'm sure it's something the whole about breakfast. The simulated war thing is quite funny. I remember mm. like in Destiny it being like this weird thing in the Destiny lore of yeah. it being like... The fact that they were determined to make it so the Crucible, which was like basically the, the you know, head-to-head competitive yeah. destiny mode, was still like a part of the law somehow. And it was weird in the fact that the VO like kind of made it vaguely suggest like it was always being like, come on, Guardians, like this is our last chance and like as if it was really important. But at the same time, it was like, what is this? Like, and he always got the sense that it was just like kind of a f- fun thing. Like, yeah. hey, you men with guns, when you're not out there, Shooting aliens, why not unwind by <laughs> shooting each other? <laughs> it's kind of like a friendly football match. Yeah, which doesn't make space. any sense. Like, I like the idea of it being like a simulation where yeah. you can just have a little game of something to decide if beans are accepted at breakfast. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Jesus. Um, <laughs> but when it's in a war game, it's like, what? What is this? Yeah. Like, why? What? <laughs> But so, yeah. yeah, so it sounds good. It is good. And is it like a, just a little campaign thing? Uh, yeah, you, you have sort of levels. Um, the the actual, there's sort of buildings dotted around that you can take over, Command and Conquer style, I think. Um, and there are certain strategic buildings. There are factories where you can make units and air factories where you can make air units. Um, and then you either capture their headquarters or you kill all their units. Uh so you normally have to take over their factories to make sure they can't respawn it's anymore. pretty basic stuff then. It just, is, Just yes. kill the people. Basically. Uh, but, the, you know, they're constantly, you know, getting new units. And is it a real-time thing then? Is it keep, like, just churning up, like, um, things just coming out uh, on timers? Or is it, like, turn-based? No, it's, it's turn-based. So you'll have oh, cool. a day of action. So you'll, you'll be able to move all your units as much as they can. And they've all got sort of 10 health and it goes down. Um, as they get shot. That sounds right up my street. Yeah, it's I love really little good. tactical yeah. things. I mean, don't don't be going and expecting some majorly like complicated strategy. No. It, it keeps it simple, it keeps it small, and does what it does really well. Complexity is not like a thing. Yeah, like um, at all. Like it's it's nice sometimes when it's pulled off well. It's it's very exciting. But yeah. um, other times it just feels like people are trying to copy things they don't understand. Mm. And that's what I always found, like being like, oh yeah, like it's like the old games where there's loads of options. It's like, yeah, but yeah. the old games were amazing, and this is just messy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've literally, I've just today, um, this podcast is going out in a few weeks because I'm going to be in a mountain next week. I say a mountain; <laughs> it's probably a big hill. Um, but uh, Steamworld Heist again, like it's just yeah. amazing. If you've not uh, played that game yet, <laughs> just just get on that. It's now on Steam, PlayStation, everything, yeah. whatever. And, uh, yeah, that's the same sort of thing of it just being, like, it's a simple strategy game, mm. um, but it kind of constantly spices it up a little bit as you go to make it a bit harder, a bit more interesting, stops you from... It's almost like uh, Clairvoyance, in a way. Well, not Clairvoyance, just good design of being like, well, you're going to start getting into the habit of doing this, and then we're going to be like, oh, you can't do that anymore. Oh. Or, like, oh, okay, you're always going to be, like, doing this. Okay, well, now you can't do that. And yeah. just forcing you to play outside of your comfort zone, but still retaining this very simple kind of... 
cool. So yeah, that's yeah. I mean, the weird thing about SteamWorld Heist is I've been hearing about it for the entire time I've been in the games industry, which is only two years, but still. Uh, so, you know, there are some games when I started at ONM, like Mighty Number no. 9, for example, uh, and, and SteamWorld Heist, which, you know, started their kind of development cycle around then. And, you know, obviously because Joe is in love with SteamWorld Heist, he, he would not shut up about it. So that's been two years of me hearing about how great it is. So I'm glad to hear it's good. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, it came out on the 3DS last Christmas, and I just yeah. I downloaded it being like, oh, this will be fun. I like SteamWorld Dig. It's those guys, you know, they did a really good job of polishing up that genre really, really, really nicely. Oh, yeah. And then I started playing it, I was like, wow, this is just <laughs> so cool. And I just loved it. And me and my brother were just playing it on our 3DSs next to each other. And kind of having that thing of being like, ah, should we stop and, like, do something else? And But largely being like, no. Why? Like, this is awesome. He was slightly behind me and it was this thing if he's just like, oh, I've just got to this bit. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I've just got this. Yeah, that's cool. Not the worst And I'm, I'm there just being like, oh, not letting him know what I'm doing because yeah. I'm going to spoil it. Because I'm just like, oh, man, the third area is mad. Like, oh. Yeah, no, it's very, very cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, oh, God, I mean, it's the funny thing. It's like there are, there are a few studios like this where you just sort of think like, yeah, they got it now. They can mm. do it. Like, they've mm-hmm. you know, they've done these two games. They've probably done more stuff before that. I don't know. But... It's like wow, like yeah. I'll just I'll I'll eat whatever they put in front of me. Frankly, it's like <laughs> these guys ex- know exactly what they're doing mm. to the point that it's not funny. And it's also wonderful to just see that kind of iOS design used in a way which isn't evil, you know, <laughs> to be like yeah, everything pops, everything's responsive, everything's like get three stars, um, yeah. and yet it's also like respectful of your time and your energy and and doesn't want you to log in every day. And it's oh, just God. like yeah, just just enjoy it. And then when you're done with it. Walk away. Yeah. And increasingly, especially with games as ecosystems, I love this sort of like play it, mm-hmm. have a lovely time. Play it at your own pace as well. Like my brother even actually stopped playing SteamWorld Heist at Christmas at one point because he's like, oh, I'm playing too much of it. I want to save it. I want to like, because it's that thing. It's like eating yeah. a cheesecake. You're like, <laughs> yeah, I want to eat all of it, but maybe I'll save some for tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of exciting. <laughs> I'd really recommend it. Anyway, um, you play anything else you want to talk about? I finished Uncharted today. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Talk about, tell me about Uncharted. Oh God, I love that game. Um, I've seen I'm, you doing some funny tweets calling him drank. Yeah, I I started that, you know, with my first tweet about it. I was like, hey, I'm going to play it, but I pretended like I didn't, I didn't know anything about it because I've not played an Uncharted game. Inspector so. drank. Yeah, I was like, oh, who's this guy? No thanks, drank. <laughs> Never heard of him. Um, and then it just sort of became a Spiled. sort of running joke. And people really appreciated that I was like, not just, I guess not just doing the kind of thing where it's like, wow, look at this vista. I was doing that anyway. I just wasn't posting them. Um, <laughs> uh, so I was taking like screenshots of a chicken and being like, look at this. Ha, it's a, it's a chicken. Look at this chicken. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to spoil it. Everyone's very no, that's, angry that's, about that. That's fair. Like, yeah. I don't, I mean, it's strange. Like, there are some things I'm not too fussed about, but yeah. especially when it's like something I really want to, to check out. Um, it feels like the windows now of acceptability for spoilers have, have, have crushed down to nothing. Like, yeah. it's... It's almost like you know I'm I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. Oh yeah. Um, for better or worse, mm-hmm. you know, till death do us part and all that. But um, <laughs> at the same time, if I don't get to see it on Monday night, which I don't always because I'm busy and yeah. my partner's busy and we watch it together, otherwise I'm dead. <laughs> um, 
it, I get anxious if I can't watch oh, it yeah. on the night I get really anxious because I, I don't have to be like on social media much for my job but I, mm. I have to be on it a bit every day yeah. doing stuff keeping an eye on what's going on um, and yeah and just just the spoilers are just like everyone's decided now the universal it's okay now seems to be Tuesday morning <laughs> which is literally yeah. like it's like 24 hours after it's been out in the States and about 12 hours after it's been out in the UK and yeah. it's just like wow and video games are like that as well yep the same people who complain about being like, oh, spoilers for this game. As soon as they get it, they're like screenshots, videos, whatever. Yeah. And it just pops up. I've actually, I've realized now that it's just the nature of how we consume media. And, you know, I argue about this with, with Quinns a lot. And he's like more on the side of the zeitgeist than I'm more of the old man, I guess. But uh, <laughs> it's weird to contend with. I've had to mm. unfollow all media outlets. Yeah. Um, Just because they're so bad now at spoiling stuff. Often spoiling stuff you don't even expect them to spoil. Like, you know, like get a game site spoiling a TV show for you. And you're like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> yeah. I don't even like your game stuff on the site very much. And now you've done this to me. I mean, at GameSpot, we were doing the Game of Thrones show because we were branching out into ten- entertainment. So it was exactly that. And, you know, people really liked the show. So that was good. But we watched it on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So most people in the UK watch it Monday evening. And so we decided that acceptable time to post it with like a, a screenshot of, of some character, which could be a spoiler, and with an occasionally spoilery title for the episode, um, we published that as soon as the episode had finished in the UK. We were like, here, you've watched it. You just watched it. You definitely did. And no one is keeping it until a different time. And, you know, when I was on the show, I was like, well, I've already seen it. Um, as long as we're not too spoilery. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. And now I'm not on the show anymore. I haven't caught up with the last two episodes. And I'm getting spoiled by the show I used to be on. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. It's not too bad when it's just after, because it's like, I always have the sense to, at least when it's being broadcast, just be like, switch off the computer. Yeah. Don't look at things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just very interesting. And it's, uh, I think as we go, it's, it's not necessarily a threat to narrative games, but it's an interesting question the fact that now it seems that a large part of how people consume media is in uh in talking about their experiences as they go yes live um, tweeting like yeah. w- however they do that whether it's on <laughs> facebook or sharing stuff and that's fascinating and it, it does also like raise some really interesting difficulties for like this sort of game of being like because it used to be the thing of like you'd be in a pub and you'd be like oh have you played finished that yet and they're gonna have finished it yet and they go okay and that'd be it like you'd just yeah. be like dump conversation ends um and you know i still find that with things like undertale i'm like oh i love undertale and people go oh yeah it's quite fun isn't it and they go you finished it haven't you and they go no, i haven't finished it. And i just go oh god <laughs> you know nothing <laughs> come back next week <laughs> um but it's really hard to kind of like keep that in but it's yeah. interesting how for some games it's fine but particularly picturesque ones now people just want to do the photo snaps they do i mean like- i think it's fine to just take a picture of a mountain and be like here's a mountain but I'm always yeah. scared that people will say, oh, I didn't know that mountain was in it. Yeah, there's, there's, everyone has different lines. And I think you just have to like kind of decide what you're cool with. Yeah. I don't mind knowing there's chickens and mountains and stuff. I didn't post any mountains because I just, I just don't feel like everyone was posting mountains. It is weird. Everyone comes back with the same holiday snaps. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't want to do that. And I mean, what I was tweeting about was I think on, on the, on the border of acceptability because. I was tweeting about about experiencing Uncharted as someone who hasn't played a PlayStation game in 20 years. And so I was coming at it being kind of half silly, like, what's going on? Ha ha ha, games. 
and half being like genuinely impressed by stuff that was happening. Um, so I wasn't impressed by like the story beats or it was, but you know, not outwardly on Twitter. Uh, I was impressed by the fact that you could find tubs of Vaseline in Nathan Drake's house and whoa, Vaseline. That's cool. Look at the detail they've put into this. He must like, he does all like, he's outdoors a lot. He oh, must yeah. get like really chap lips. His clothes are magical. Like he fell in mud, he fell in water, he's been sort of sliding down rocky hills and his clothes aren't ripped. They get a bit muddy, but that sort of comes off somehow. There's a scene where he's being dragged behind a truck in the mud, like wet mud, and he comes away fine. He never changes. Never changes. He never changes. No. So have you played the other Uncharted games at all then? No, I haven't, no. How was it just jumping in then? Uh, I think it was fine. I mean, there were a lot of nudge, nudge, but I, I knew they were nudge, nudging. They kept being like, remember that time in El Dorado? And I was like, no, but I presume I went to El Dorado. Cool. And they were like, remember that time with Francis Drake? And I was like, again, no. Am I related to him? Is that the thing? And they were just like, yeah, sure, whatever. And, you know, I kind of liked that. Um, that I was like an amnesiac Nathan Drake being like, I had all these adventures and they were probably really cool. <laughs> I got into so many fights and now I can't remember anything, but I just nod and smile and pretend I yeah. do. Yeah. I what? mean, sometimes I was wondering if I was missing some of the nuance of the character relationships, but then I realised that his mm. brother is just a new character that they sort of retcon in. Just like, Whoop. Yeah. I, I didn't even know his brother existed and I've played two of them. So yeah. I, yeah. I mean... A lot of it is just fun kind of buddy movie stuff, really, yeah. like him and Sully and just having, like, fun fun chats. Uh, the <laughs> second one was very much Indiana Jones, but in a, just perfect. Like, mm. it just did a really good job of kind of, like, well, all, most of the games, I don't know about new, most of the games tend to kind of, like, start to easily in some supernatural bullshit that's slightly a bit like okay but the second one waited till the right time it wasn't it wasn't yeah. like too early but the first one was like oh are we doing this now <laughs> really are we doing it okay yeah um there wasn't much of that in four the only unbelievable parts was that it's it's based on like pirates and the pirates can somehow build these beautiful elaborate structures and, and puzzles mm-hmm. and traps and you're like come on they didn't have that much free time, to be honest, in between all the piracy. The parrots built them. <laughs> they made the parrots build yeah. them. Yeah, that's, that's not... Yeah, because the third one was really badly received. And I never played it. Really? And I think almost like having broken the chain, I've just been like, when should I play the fourth one? Don't know. But uh, yeah, the third one was just a mess, I think. Yeah. But I think they've also like kind of slowly taken to heart the idea of making it more of a cinematic experience in four rather than it being like, because it used to have a lot of shooting in it, which mm. was kind of fine, but it was notable. You yeah. know, I think that was an interesting thing that people always make jokes about, you know, Nathan Drake being a psychopath. He is. Um, he snaps necks like it's nobody's business. I don't understand. Yeah. And it's <laughs> and that's what I find fascinating is it's not really the fault of that. Like, lots of people yeah. go, oh, God, why Like why do you have to make a deal about violence in games, loads of games of violence? It's like, yeah, but it's like, it's not actually that. It's not people being like, oh, this is bad. Mm. It's more that because they do such a good job of creating these, like, likeable human characters, yeah. which most games just don't. <laughs> that when this likeable human man is then snapping necks, you're just like, Nathan... Yeah. Like, it's like watching a friend like yeah. doing and he, terrible things. He doesn't need to snap their necks most of the time. No. Even in Assassin's Creed, you have the option to just be like, shh, shh sleepy time, and just yeah. chuck them in a bush. You yeah. can do that. It's not like you're in a bush already, and you could just be like, Whoa. 
Yeah, I'm presuming there are enough bushes. Yeah. He's mostly in jungles. It's it's one of the one of the actual mechanics is that you can crouch in sort of really sparse long grass and no one can see you. <laughs> and you can grab people and kind of pull them in and snap their neck, but you don't need to snap their neck. I think about that a lot. Not snapping people's necks, <laughs> but the whole like hiding in long grass mechanic yeah. in video games because he's obviously it's it's uh, tempered by the fact that you, uh, as a character when you're playing these games you spend a lot of time just lying in long grass and I'm always just like wouldn't they see me though? Like, yeah. And I'm always torn between being like, no, I guess if you're really still, mm. they're not looking, then yeah. And also then just going to, of course they would. Like, especially like some Metal Gear Solid sometimes, it's like, there's a man in the grass. <laughs> like, yeah. at the very least, wouldn't you be like, what's that? Is that a man in the grass? Is that a bird? You know, a sleeping man. Okay, quick question before we wrap up. We've got a question here from Win Williams, just spelled with a Y, not Williams, the Win. Which is cool. Makes you sound like you're a dragon, Win. And for that, I hope you're happy. Anyway, uh, the question is, quite simply, what life skill has come in handy whilst playing a video game or vice versa? He says, I played a lot of Shenmue when I was a warehouseman at Asda and drove a, f- drove a forklift truck. Hmm. I can't think of any jobs in games that I've done. They all have very cool jobs. That's the problem. I think it's more like just if you've done something in real life that then made you know how um, to do it in a game or if you've done something in a game which then like I guess the most deceptive thing is like driving cars in games makes you feel like you'll be great at driving cars in real life no not, which so, not so much just doesn't <laughs> I actually had a, a driving theory game on the on the DS that was meant to teach you oh god only knows because it was terrible like you're doing it with a stylus it's not going to be anything like driving um, so yeah even when they're trying to make you good at something it doesn't really work no. Sometimes you pick up useless... Well, stuff that feels useless, yeah. but is useful later. Like, I've always had the deceptive thought that I'd be quite good at flying a helicopter, just because I've been quite yeah. good at flying helicopters in games in the past. I feel like I could pick a lock. Yeah. I probably can't. <laughs> you see, picking locks, I think, is something that actually, in a way, maybe kind of ends up being sometimes simplified, but sometimes overly mm. mystified by games. And yes. I get the impression from speaking to people who know how to pick locks, apparently it's not that hard. You just need yeah. to have a set of lock picks. Yeah. It's more about the tools and then like, obviously you know, need to know how to do it. But yeah. I have I've met a few people who've been, maybe they're showing off, but they're like, oh, I can teach sometime. It's really easy. And yeah. I'm like, I don't want to get put on a list. But, I mean, the um, other thing is I've never come across any locks that I wanted to pick. Like I don't find chests that often in real life. No. So. <laughs> Could you imagine though, if you did? Yeah. Just like took it home and couldn't unlock it. And then you sit within your living room going, fuck's sake. <laughs> What, what's in you? How do I have this beautiful, ornate, golden, yeah. glistening thing? It would drive you mad. It'd be like Christmas, but never comes. Like Christmas Eve, you see the presents beneath the tree, and then you keep going down, and there's no, there's no way to get into the presents. Yeah, but it's someone else's as well, which is I not, suppose, not yeah. like Christmas. That's not really a. That's not really ever something that's that heavily covered in video games, is it? Well, I mean, I think the implication is if you've left a toolbox or a chest or a safe out, then it's fair game. Yeah, if it's in someone's house, it goes red and it means that's yeah. theirs. But if it's anywhere else, it's just yeah. like, you can have this. <laughs> a lot of people spend a lot of time carrying chests out and putting them in in very obscure places. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can think of that I like, I think playing video games at a basic level helped me understand things like how iron was made. Like, or how steel was made. I knew it was, like, something to do with... It's when you've got too with, much food. It's when... You, 
Yeah, you tell the people who are eating the food to go and make steel. And that's how babies iron and that's is how, made. <laughs> no, it's people who've got too much steel make babies. You've got oh. to have like a conveyor belt system. Like, <laughs> you've done that, now you do that. Well done, you've got to the, you're in the steel club. Now you can have a baby. Cool. Um, <laughs> I think I really enjoyed playing Persona 4 for that in terms of I knew about okay. cooking and it had questions sometimes where you could tell the character go and do some cooking and uh-huh. it would say oh adult, what should we do next like we're making this and it's really hard because it's all Japanese recipes mm, yes. and so it's like oh now we're making this what's the next step in the recipe we've just done this what do we do now yeah. and it'd be like do you dip it in the egg do you dip it in the breadcrumbs do you do put it in the oil and it was like because I didn't know what these recipes really were yeah all I could do was sort of try and envision what they were trying to make and try and guess what would be the best thing to do next. And okay. I was quite pleased that I got it right a lot of the time by yeah. just being like, well, no, you don't want to do put breadcrumbs on it yet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it would just be like, yeah, you got it right. And sometimes it well, I wouldn't. Sometimes it would be like, I cannot envision what the fuck you're doing with this cucumber. So, <laughs> like this. And he'd be like, no. Um, I mean, Cooking Mama's really good for food stuff. Yeah, um, I always hear that. It's surprisingly realistic, you know. I mean, you do some silly things sometimes. Like, if you're draining beans, you just dump them in a thing and wait until they're not wet anymore. But it's always, because it has to be a mini game. you have to swirl it. And if, if the water gets out, then bad stuff happens. I don't know. But the, the recipes are quite good, if sometimes a bit disgusting. <laughs> Oh, really? Have you tried to make some cooking mama recipes? No, but, but I mean, based on the... Um, but you just know that they are. I mean, when you when you come up with something that's like... It's like a weird Japanese take on a Western recipe, like it'll be steak in sort of tomato sauce, and you'll be like, no, <laughs> I don't want to eat that. And it'll be presented so prettily that you're sort of like, ah, oh, okay. Um, but no, there's like an omelette that I think I made in one of the earlier games... Uh, made in real life and it was nice I mean it's an omelette but yeah. what was in it? sugar and eggs sugar? <laughs> yeah it was a sort of you know like um, a sweet omelette a sweet omelette they kind of use in sushi and things like that I am like not down with sweet omelettes I got great. very angry on Facebook a few years ago when I saw somebody <laughs> posted a photograph of a banana omelette oh that's weird and it was like an omelette with banana chunks mm. in it and I was like I served with maple syrup and I was like what is that and he was like oh it's nice you should just try it and I was just had to every ounce of my spirit and body not to go I will not <laughs> <laughs> I got angry at someone the other day for saying that egg and beef was a good combination what? <laughs> I don't you, know. Yeah, what? like you can imagine egg egg and chicken because they're the same family egg and pork sc- scotch eggs breakfast ham and egg all good um, egg and beef why? Why would why? you do that? I mean, yeah, <laughs> why? Technically, you can put egg with anything, probably, but why? Oh, eggs and bananas, eggs and beef. I'm just angry now. Well, <laughs> thank you for joining us on uh, another episode of Daft Souls. Uh, today we talked about religion and eggs uh, <laughs> with bananas and beef wedged in between and Sherlock Holmes. Thank you very much, Kate, for joining us. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much. We'll join you... We'll join you listeners uh, next week for more Dark Souls probably thanks again bye